Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Does anybody know I'm not getting any sound through my headphones, only through my computer? Man, okay, Dad, well. here's how to send an attachment. Okay. <laughs> here's how it works. What's that zip file? Does that mean it's zippity fast? How do I convert something to a PDF? What's the cloud? Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to our uh, second episode on hospitality. And, uh, man, we are excited to get into this topic with our guest today. Uh, and we are privileged uh, to have with us a, a long-time honor. honor, indeed. A, I feel like both of those words are gross exaggerations of dumbfounded. Yeah. Okay, Flabbergasted. <laughs> a, a privileged. Okay. okay. A long-time friend of the pod, uh, Chip May, he is uh, the executive director at uh, Camp Arcadia, located in Northwest Michigan, in Arcadia, Michigan. Uh, he has been uh, doing that gig for, Chip, how many years have you been doing it? This is my 20th year. 20th year uh, running Camp Arcadia. I was uh, privileged to serve there for four summers. Uh, Josh and I have been able to uh, to speak there over the years. Uh, it's a unique camp. Uh, if you're thinking like, uh, you know, kids camp playing games, uh, rearrange your mind on this. Just imagine uh, dirty dancing, uh, but for Lutherans. Uh, so, um, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, so just a, a wonderful, it's a family camp. It has this beautiful inn. It's it's right on Lake Michigan. And so year after year, uh, thousands of campers come through this place. Looking for uh, Petoskey's. Uh, looking for Petoskey's. Chip's been doing it for 20 years, hosting people, practicing uh, hospitality. And so we thought, man, who better to ask uh, than the man himself who's been at it uh, for so long. So, Chip, thanks so much for being here and joining the pod today. It is great to be on the pod. I love listening to you guys, so it's great to be on here. Excellent, excellent. Well, hey, as we uh, like to do with all our guests, um, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking uh, Bullet, or Boulet as I call it, uh, Bullet Rye. Ooh. So it's got a little bit of bite to it, but... Uh... Are you just pounding that like swig after swig or? Yeah, you... pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Camp, camp starts in about 10 days and uh, yeah. So yeah, I am pounding it. Yep. Does the funnel help or does it make it worse? <laughs> <laughs> the swirly straw, I think, adds a little bit extra mm. to it. So, yeah. Nice. Nice touch. Well, I do like that. It's like the glasses kind of swirly straw. It makes it really fun to watch on the video chat. <laughs> so as we get into this topic of hospitality, Chip, uh, we brought you on here because uh, we do, do. we not get to talk about what we're drinking tonight or are we? Okay. Just... okay. All right. Also, I have a really important question for Chip. Oh, my gosh. All right. Fine. 
Go for it. Chip, uh, is Chip your real name, or is that short for something? Or is it just a nickname? Um, Chip means small part of something larger, if you're wondering. <laughs> and it, uh, it's, it's short for Charles. Oh, my, okay. My, my full name is Charles Norbert May the third. Oh, really? Okay. Well, thank you for sure. I just wanted to know if it was short for something. You don't have to go into the full name, but I appreciate the honesty and transparency. You know, our first transparent guest we've had, I feel like. <laughs> Chip, are you really a third? I'm the third, and I named my son the fourth. <laughs> nice. May the oh, fourth. that's – oh, Charlie. Oh, so – Yes. Oh, okay. You know what? So many things are starting to come together in my mind. Now. All so, click it together. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. So, thank you. While we're on the family thing, fun fact, Chip, Chip, you have a twin, correct? I do. Yeah. And then he has, like, another twin. Chip and I are, are just – I have always felt, like, just very similar in – it looks and uh oh yes put the glass yes listen listen listeners this is so true because i i've come to know chip and tom only through gabe and it was literally within a matter i'm sorry yeah 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 both both and a good lutheran response to that yeah um and pauline response as a matter of fact i mean if we're being really great about our theology but anyway okay all right tom so literally it was within months that i actually encountered both tom and chipped in incarnational human form and i was astounded just by the similarities present in both of these strapping young lads um so gabe i guess my question for you would be who's the more handsome oh Oh, I see what you've done there. Yeah, because um, you told me you were going to ask me that question, and I instead I have flipped the script. You know, Chip works out, so I'm going to give it to Chip. <laughs> Wait, I mean, Chip works out and he looks like that. I don't do anything and I look like this. Right? <laughs> Fantastic. Wow. Well, Tom, you play basketball, and you're not very good at bocce ball, as we clearly saw <laughs> at the Chattanooga Choo Choo in our most recent visit. It's I true. think Gabe likes a meteor guy, you yeah. know, more of a husky yeah. jeans kind of guy. Yeah. Which hey, is oh, Gabe, there you go. are you only oh. saying that because Chip allows you to speak at his camp and he holds some sway over you? Or, yeah, that that's exactly correct. it, Tom. Yeah. I mean, okay. do, do we need to tell everyone that? I mean, it just goes without saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not really getting a ton of benefit from you, so just talk <laughs> analysis here. Uh, I'm a friend with benefit. That's yeah. great. That's hey, great. there wow. you go. There you I go. I'm only, I'm only the godparent to one of your children. No big deal. Oh. I mean, none of, whatever. Sponsor, sponsor, okay. sponsor, sponsor. You say godparent. I mean, in our hymnal, it says sponsor. All right. Well, that's another episode. Okay. Anyway, anyway, yes. So do you guys want to know what I'm drinking? I do. Sure. Okay, man. Gabe, this is a throwback. I got this sort of specifically because of you from Revolver Brewing Company out yes. in Texas. Yes, you Come know on. them. All right. Have you had their blood and honey? One of which my favorite BT, beers of all time. BT Dubs is the most Texan-sounding name for a beer ever. Yep. Blood and honey. They call, call it an American wheat ale. Um, I think it's more citrusy and juicy, fruity, kind of like a pale. But it is delightful. And so, Revolver, cheers to you. If you want to become a sponsor of the pod, feel free to contact us at 612-208-6258. And we will get you in touch with our... Uh, marketing person and let you know the rates for promotions on the podcast. Great work. Great work. Um, I tonight am uh, taking things simpler. So simple. In fact, I'm drinking a simpler times uh, locker beer from uh, our good friends at Trader Joe's. 
Uh, now you may say, Dave, I don't know. That doesn't sound good. You were just mocked by our guest. I mean, yeah, that's fine. But you'd be wrong because it is an excellent beer. Also, side note, uh, I want to give shouts to our friend Andrew Komerka, a faithful listener to the show. Text in. Uh, he records every drink each one of us has every episode. That was uh, impressive, that list. Including the ingredients that Tom puts in his fancy grill. <laughs> that is ridiculous. The list is impressive. We don't need to track Tom's ingredients for his cocktails. No, we do. That's the whole point. I'm trying to bring a little bit of class to this entire listenership with just an upgraded drink. So you should. Thank you. Thank you, good listener. Yes. What's his name, Tom? Tom? I don't know. Andrew. 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 That's my middle name. All right. So uh, tonight I I am drinking from the Antigua Winery in in good Argentina. I am drinking their Uno Malbec. Um, I'm drinking a 2014 vintage, and it is delicious. This is rich. It's chewy. Uh, it it is a thick wine, and you're gonna love it. Uh, so pick it up at your local winery, liquor store. Excellent. Winery okay. or liquor store or winery liquor store. Yeah, you probably can't pick it up at your winery because their winery is probably selling their own crap. So, I mean, I would, I don't know. Cool. I've had, so, I've had two great contribution, Tom. Great contribution. As always. As always. So, uh, Chip is here. Let's get down to business, friends. We've covered the drinks. Here we go. Nitty gritty. Chip, you've been in the hospitality game for 20 years. Uh, why? Uh, why do you think hospitality is important? Why? I mean, you. I, I've worked with you. I've seen the workload that goes into it. Uh, why go through all that trouble to host people at a camp in Northern Michigan? Wait, and hold on. I'd actually like to ask this question beforehand because I think it's relevant. Gabe, you just described it as, as chipping in the hospitality business. Is that actually how you describe what you, what you do, Chip? Because I, I know that you're the executive director of a, of a nonprofit Christian camp. Yeah. How, so, how do you self-identify, Chip? I self-identify as someone who's in a nonprofit ministry. So I, you know, I, I, I think of it as, you know, outdoor ministry or camp ministry. But, you know, um, years ago, I forget what year, probably 2003 or four, I came across a book uh, called Making Room by Christine Pohl. And uh, what that book did for me is it sort of um, unpacked some of the history of hospitality, at least Christian hospitality, and then it kind of redefined hospitality something much deeper and more meaningful than just good customer service. Because I think up to that point, when I heard hospitality, you think of like a hospitality center or a hospitality cup at McDonald's or whatever. And so this was more focused on, um, it's called making room because she re, re refers to it as sort of making room in your own heart for somebody else. So it's something deeper than than just being attentive to your guest needs. And I, and let me speak to this, um, because my first time with the RKD experience, uh, <clears throat> so I am one that is terribly averse to buffets and let's just say camp style food. Okay. I have a genuine fear of it. And a genuine fear of any food that hasn't like you haven't already eaten before, like anything outside of your customary California snobbish. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Like, okay. Wow. Interesting. Because, interesting because today I picked up some Palestinian za'atar to make some labna uh, and lavash tomorrow, Tom. Oh, so. really? Tell me, tell me your thoughts okay. on hot dish, which you've never had before, but okay. you hot dish is an abomination. Hot dish is an abomination and a direct and affront. Here and here we a, go. A direct affront to God's creative work. <laughs> okay, he needs to ex nihilo uh, hot dish out of creation. 
<laughs> okay. All right. So anyway, but to get back to the story, so I, I didn't have high expectations, Chip. I'm sorry. But the first time coming to Arcadia, I was like, I'm literally going to be fasting for an entire week and I'll tell people I'm just super pious and that's it. Uh, but at every single meal, not only was my wife and family impressed with the quality of the dish, but the care that came with it, the attentiveness to detail of the servers, the environment of the dining hall and that area in which it was like this it it genuinely felt like we were all just one big family eating food. Like there was conversation abounding. It was comfortable. It was warm. And I was like seriously impressed because someone who's worked in the hospitality industry, I know how bad it can be, a bad dining experience can be. And yet I was incredibly impressed by the crafting and clearly the intention behind it of making sure it wasn't just hospitable in the sense of like, let's get people in and out efficient right. so no one complains, but actually creating an atmosphere that made you feel welcomed and and to me that just set the stage i was like sold i don't care whatever else happens but you know clearly the influence and the impetus behind it uh was one of intention not just kind of happenstance yeah no it, i mean it, our meal times are like the pinnacle of the experience i mean of course the lectures in the morning by the great pastors is a, mm-hmm. is a high point but having sharing meals together um is it, something that uh, is really kind of cultural you know, I mean, families aren't sitting down as much. They're definitely not having friends over as much as they as they uh, used to. Family meals on Sunday aren't as happening. And so to, to be able to come to a place and, and, and share a meal together and then have it be quality food, well prepared, served uh, to you, I think really is it, it sort of breaks down the barriers because, you know, I mean, granted, it's a, it's a Lutheran camp. So it's it's diverse in some respects, not greatly diverse but you have people there from di- different income areas and different types of uh lifestyles and stuff and they come people and they who share. Are different shades of white <laughs> exactly um uh, but you know sharing a meal together breaks down those barriers and, and that's something that that in the book she she makes quite clear that 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 uh not only uh you know um serving a meal but actually enjoying it with other people and so uh i'm gabe and, and josh uh, know this but like the uh, the program staff eat out with the guests you know, and that's part of the experiences is is that um, they're with the guests eating, not just like uh, serving to them and then eating in the back. Now, of course, the staff who have to be working during the meal are eating prior to it, but um, mealtime is huge. So, and can I ask a question, not just specific to mealtime, but just in general? So, when you came into, you know, running Arcadia. Um, like, what was that process like? How much work did it take? Were you starting for, with kind of a tabula rasa and it's like, all right, I'm, I'm starting completely from scratch, from scratch, blank slate, and building out this, this you know, hospitality kind of framework. Uh, did you use what was already there and just kind of enhance it and emphasize certain aspects of it? Um, you know, what sure. was your thought process behind when you got there and the intention behind trying to build out a really hospitable place for people to come and, and spend time with one another? Nope. Sure, well, God, God created Arcadia and Jesus was the first guest. And so it's always been that way. And so. Oh, that was my answer, Tom. Sorry. No. Um, so <laughs> I know, I know, we, I know uh, the history. You know, I was 26 when I uh, when I when I started and, and thank goodness we had an amazing staff already in place. And so we had a great chef and Kurt Harvey and, and great caretakers and, and, and stuff. So camp was really doing quite well. And the previous directors had really set the bar for hospitality. They had had, had really sort of, I think the, the attitude prior to um, June and Chris and Yas, uh, it was a good attitude, but it was, it was uh, more prevalent of, I, I, it was more like, 
you know, here's what we do at camp and you should like it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it, that was kind of like how all the camps were, you know, it was like, if you don't like it, then something's wrong with you, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it, it switched to, you know, because for instance, they used to not put the menu out because the food was okay, but it wasn't that great. And so people would like go to the bar in town and eat if they knew what. So th the whole thing was, is you would not tell them what was for the meal so they wouldn't skip the meal. Well, that's not very hospitable. That's that's not really, uh, you know, thinking about your your uh, guests first. So now we've got a menu. There's, of course, you know, gluten-free options and veg options and all that kind of stuff. But uh, uh, the attitude changed there. And so when I came on board and as I matured, uh, the uh, really it was sort of just trying to hone in as to why we were doing it and connecting it that to our, our faith and uh, and trying to expand that because um, we always had really high expectations at the camp for cleanliness for um, uh, food and activities and speakers and everything, but we hadn't really connected to maybe so why, you know, why we were doing it. So, so me, Chip, I, okay. I got a question for you because I, I think, you know, I come from, from Camp Luther, which is another, you know, very highly respected camp and yep. um, very different from Arcadia. But, but, uh, you know, when I came to Camp Luther, you know, I, same as you, there's this long line of like really great leadership and it's been a really great camp. And so it's, it's not about like having to reinvent yourself or reinvent the camp. It's about the, the minute changes to, to make it just incrementally better. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I mean, that's what I experienced at Camp Luther. And I, and I mean, we've had enough conversations. I know that to be true for you too, but I'd love, I'd love for right. you to expand on that a little bit. Well, you know, it, it, it was interesting having, um, you know, when I came on, camp was doing well, and we sort of continued to really do well and really uh, increase the number of guests that we were serving. And so um, the focus really was on, you know, what's the best hospitality, best customer service we can give our, our uh, guests. So we kept kind of like raising the bar each year with the different menu options or the type of service that we had. The facilities kept getting improved. What I found interesting is I went to visit Holden Village, which is a Lutheran retreat center out in uh, Washington State, and uh, and they're also they focused on families, which is similar to us. So it was it was kind of more akin to what we do here, um, and uh, they have a they had a different interpretation of hospitality that that I felt really kind of you know it um, refreshing and and kind of a, a different in, interpretation. They involved their guests in the work in a way that we hadn't, right? So, you know, they're in a very remote area. You have to take like a boat and buses. I mean, it's crazy to get to it. So they, as a guest, you were in the kitchen, you were uh, helping sort trash, you were doing all this kind of stuff. And um, I found that uh, their sort of willingness to let the guests who had, who had no connection to it come in. And they even said like, you can leave your mark on Holden Village and you can help be part of this tapestry of what this place is. And I thought, wow, man, I feel like at Arcadia, we're sort of like, there's so much tradition and you're part of this huge thing. It's like, if you're new, like, just don't break it. All right. Like mm -hmm. you can't add your, your uh, mark to it. And so what that sort of gave me is like, maybe the goal wasn't to continue to make it a better um, sort of like customer service, but maybe by letting the guests and be involved in it a bit, and maybe not at the level that Holden Village does, but that we might actually um, break down those barriers that happen between servers and those that are being served. So let me give you an example of that. So in our uh, dining room, I can remember saying to our uh, the uh, program staff, because I would sit at their, uh, their uh, table, and I would say, don't stack your plates and gather all your 
your utensils at the end of your uh, table. Don't do that because then all the other families will see that and they'll feel guilty and they'll want to do it, right? And they've got maybe kids that are going nuts and it, it should be uh, work for them, right? After Holden Village, I'm like, wait a second. Maybe if we kind of give this instruction, like if you have time and your family isn't like melting down at this point, you can help your server by sorting this 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 stuff and putting it at the end of the uh, of the table. And that way they get, because, you know, the kids that are serving on staff, they're 40 some uh, college kids. These are people that they often know or are like their kids or their grandkids and they want to get to know them. So this is the way they can help them out. And I really felt it set a better tone for us is we weren't some like high flutin restaurant, but rather this ministry that it could be a, a part of. So that's an interesting concept, Chip, because, you, you know, kind of at the beginning of what you said, there, there's kind of like this increasing year after year, like what more can we do to increase hospitality? And I think sometimes when I hear about the, when I when I hear that, I think about like a hotel experience and the, the more expensive hotel you go to, the more things you're going to get where like I can just float on a cloud from the lobby to the elevator, you, you know, and like what more can they do for me to make this experience the best ever? And you know, at what point does that for for a camp with with while well, your camp does very well, there is still limited resources. Where do you draw the line, especially in terms of like the Christian ethic of like you were supposed to suffer, you know, and, bear, you know, bear our cross and, you know, and things like that. And, you know, where's that line of like we want to make things as as great as possible for you, but we also you know, we also, yeah, you know, it's funny. The first person to kind of question that about what we're doing at Arcadia was Gabe's mom. Um, yeah, no. And I really, she did it in a very appropriate way and I really respected her for it. But, you know, I, I think that is, I mean, yes, there's limited resources. So one thing that, that with this hospitality training that we, that we do here and kind of the ethos that we're uh, trying to in, uh, in, install is that, um, hospitality isn't necessarily always about making the experience the easiest for the guests. Mm -hmm. It's about connecting with them. So, you know, um, you know, at, at, at Cape Arcadia, you might have a conversation with the housekeeper when you bring your towel down. Now, for instance, the uh, towels in the room, first of all, we have towels, right? So your, your camp that has towels. So you're already like, well, that's a step up, right? And you can get them washed while you're, while you're there. So like, oh my gosh, this is some, you know, high gluten camp, but we, could just have them in the room and house have housekeepers go through there and grab them and then re you know then put them back in the room like you do at a hotel. Instead, we make the guests go get them from the room, bring them to the linen counter, which is just a counter in the lobby of the of the inn. It looks like a bar basically, and you bring your towel there and you get you get to interact with somebody else, right? And mm -hmm. um, we do that intentionally because we want our staff and our guests to interact. So the focus really is trying to connect those two and kind of break down those barriers when, when appropriate. Now, of course, there are good barriers. Like you don't want as a staff member to be like spilling dirt about the, the, the drama on staff to the guests. That's a good barrier, you know, right, or right. like, you know, people are in their rooms or sleeping. Don't go look at them while they, while they sleep. That's weird. <laughs> Can I get your is towels it, now? <laughs> is it weird? Is it weird, Gabe or Chip? Is it weird? Um, well, I mean, that is an issue I had with uh, Gabe. So I had to be like, Gabe, dude, you know, yeah, like, it was, I mean, tough. it was a very awkward conversation. You are too attentive. Yeah. Too I attentive. Just, I care. I care. Mm. You he mm. cared too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, anyways. 
that answer your question? I think so. No, yeah, that's really great. So. Yeah, I think um, you know one of the things though that that I love about what you're saying. So uh, my uh, can't believe this is coming out. My my senior seminar project uh, in undergrad, uh, I studied Jesus' teachings on poverty in the Gospel of Luke, and when whenever he talks about in the Gospel of Luke in particular, whenever he talks about caring for the poor, uh, it's always in a relational capacity. That it's never a hey, we drop our stuff off at the food bank, you pick it up, and we never see each other. It's, no, when you throw a party, invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the lame, invite them to your house, invite them into your space. Um, now, obviously, you, you know, folks that, that go to Camp Arcadia are not necessarily uh, poor, but, but that idea of hospitality being related to relational connectivity, I think is deeply biblical, is deeply rooted in... Jesus' teachings on hospitality as a whole, on welcoming the stranger, be they from the suburbs of Chicago or be they the homeless guy down the street. Um, right, and 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 I, and I think that the um, the idea, and I, I know Gabe, you kind of struggled with this when uh, when uh, you're in staff. Is you know, you know, this is a German Lutheran camp, so it's pretty, you know, it's not that diverse. We're getting more diverse though, as you know, as families, you know, get more diverse but uh the idea is like you know i want to like feed the world or i i, I want to serve the poor in some far off place or in a, in, a, in, a, in a urban setting um and camp arcadia the guests aren't as deserving of that you know and and that's a temptation that we all have like is there some better ministry some other place that i could be more more uh useful and so part of the goal here is sort of uh you know person like you know personalizing that sort of that neighbor, like everyone is our, is our, our neighbor and the most important person is the person that's right in front of you, mm. you know? And so right. not, not, it's not the person that's down the line, this person right there in front of you. And, and honestly, I think as people become more disconnected from each other, just in their own neighborhood, when they come to Camp Arcadia, it is like a front porch on steroids, right? Cause it's like, these are experiences people don't have anymore, right? People go to work, they come home, they drive in their garage, shut the garage door, go inside, they're on their technology, they're with their families, but they're not necessarily with people that are sort of like you know, kind of neighborly people, right? Like, you know, there's no more like, you know, in your backyard, it's a private, it's a, a privacy fence, right? Yep. So it, at camp, it's like this huge front porch and people you can see just at some points like, wow, this is a lot. But otherwise it's like, man, this is an opportunity to really just kind of be around other people and have these kind of casual conversations and so i think that's that's also a big a big part of it but one of the things that i would i would want to bring up that i think always happens is like we forget that hospitality people who who give it have a lot of power mm. you know even these these uh college kids that come in like they know all the rules they they bring you your food you know like there's a lot of power in that and it, it's you want the staff to take ownership but sometimes they, they take so much ownership that they they kind of, you know, somewhat abuse these these sort of rules. So the classic example that I give of this, it's it's a minor thing, but uh, we had, uh, you know, we have great food at the camp, and on this one morning, we're, we're serving pancakes, and the guests ask for blueberry pancakes, right? Now, if you work in the kitchen, you're serving food to 250 people, you cannot make two-order pancakes for individual groups, right? It just sounds ludicrous. So this person comes back into the kitchen they're like can you believe this they asked for blueberry pancakes and everyone's like deriding this person like this is the worst person ever and i'm like guys how are they supposed to know that we can't do this you know what i mean but we know mm -hmm. the rules we know how it works they don't 
they don't know it. Yeah. You know? yeah. There's there's no way to make blueberry pancakes for them. But they also don't have to like sort of distance ourselves from that guest thinking that there's some sort of like idiot because they thought that. And we've yeah. all been in experiences where you're at a restaurant and they and they they treat you like you don't know anything. You know. Well, let's can we tap into that and uh, not to put you on the spot, Josh, but I think you might have some interesting thoughts on this, just having worked in the hospitality industry as well, uh, in like the power dynamic of hospitality. Because I think Jesus taps into that. And I think it, it is a temptation where it's like, you know, in a perhaps more stereotypical understanding of hospitality, like say you're running uh, a, a soup kitchen. It's like, hey, we are the ones doing the good thing. We are the ones who know how things work here. And so what does it look like? And I mean, Chip, of course, please chime in too. But what does it look like to neutralize that power dynamic? Well, see, what's really fascinating to me is the customer thinks they have the power. Because they're the one giving the order. They're the one making requests or demands. They're the ones who control the payment. You know what I mean? But to Chip's point, it's, it's the server communicating with the you know, line cook who's actually preparing the food. So like the power dynamic is really fascinating to me because when you talk to, and and not saying this guest at Arcadia was thinking like, ah, ah, I demand, you know, I get everything I want. I'm going to demand, you know, whatever. But like typically, at least from my experience, waiting tables uh, and even working on the line was like, you have people who come in with the mindset of, okay, I am the paying customer. Therefore, whatever I want is going to happen. Or you're going to do your best to make it happen. Otherwise, I'm not giving you a tip. Or I may even not even want to pay my bill. You know what I'm saying? And so there's this, there's this weird balance between the, the, the preparer, the server end of hospitality, and then the end recipient of that hospitality. Because you have to walk this fine line of, of, like Chip said at the very beginning, making room. You know, in the sense, creating this atmosphere, uh, a hospitable, I mean, I hate to keep using that word, but like a warm and inviting, a comfortable, you know, that that type of thing. But at the same time, not essentially allowing the perception of power from the customer to then derail what's actually happening in the environment, in the kitchen, in the interaction between guest, server, cook, digital, well, washer, well, it's- I mean, that's the perfect space to like practice what Christ preaches, right? I mean, this is a fascinating conversation because when I go out to eat and I'm spending a large amount of money to eat food, to have it prepared so that I don't have to do that, to have someone wait on me. Yeah, there is that expectation. Like, look, I'm putting out a large amount of money for this and I would like to be waited on and I would like my food to come out like I ordered it or like I want it. But then when it can't be done that way for ridiculous blueberry pancakes, you know, when it's just not possible, then it's then it's a great opportunity for the staff to not only practice hospitality, but practice, you know, like Christian hospitality as well. Well, and perhaps, Chip, step in here. Um, when I throw this example out, maybe there's a corollary at Arcadia. But I remember because I, I waited tables at a really popular brew pub in, in St. Louis while I was at the seminary that as soon as a seminarian or a district president or a professor walked in, I would have to trade tables with one of my fellow servers because the assumption of power and necessity of – or, or the, the desire to – just what you said, Tom, right? The expression of I have the money. I'm spending it. I'm expecting these things, whatever, like earned the seminarians and 
the the religious folks who came in a really awful reput reputation. Like it was what it, they were undermining their own theology in a sense, right? And so I would have to trade other servers' tables so I could take like the douchebag seminarians or the cheapskate district presidents who just who who thought they held the power and treated the server or the kitchen with contempt. And for me, it was an opportunity twofold. One, to demonstrate to my peers or future peers, hey, why don't we do this in a better way? But also then to demonstrate to my fellow servers, like I'm willing to sacrifice a tip because I know they're going to stiff me uh, to show you that I'm willing to sort of suffer in, in a very, very small and insignific insignificant sense in this way um, to save you that harm um, that, that I know you're going to endure. And so, Chip, I don't know if, like, at Arcadia, if, like, I mean, I'm sure there are families, you don't have to name names, but I'm sure there are people, there are individuals who are those tough customers, the blueberry pancake people who, you know, are going to get upset about those types of things, complain, yada, yada, yada. And well, so, yeah, I mean, if you think about that, you're serving families meals three, three times a day for an entire week. And generally, except for the buffets, there's not really a choice. You know, it's not like there's a menu generally. They're just, you know, there's, there's not a choice really. So the chance that you're going to get it right every meal for all these families is next to impossible. Right. And so, um, you know, I think it goes back to what to what Gabe was talking about is is recognizing because it, it is a transactional thing, right? I mean, you know, if 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 you're a server and you don't bring out food and get what they need, you're doing a poor job. So you can't ignore that it's a transactional thing. But if you ignore that it's also a relational thing, you know, so you know, the best the best servers, you know, who are good at dealing with difficult uh, tables, I'm sure are a probably not uh personalizing it you know it's not about me right you know and they're also probably um uh in their mind at least gaining the upper hand on the on the control you know like they recognize that they're ultimately in control of this and they are and then also recognizing like you know i try and talk with their staff like you know what are these families going through now at camp it's a great experience but you don't know what baggage they're bringing into it right so so you try and humanize them you know mm -hmm. and the I can't, they had the same server for the entire week. So there is an opportunity. In fact, we had this great uh, staff member um, uh, um, and she, uh, uh, she was a fireball, like just crazy. Right. And so at some point kind of annoying to some of the other staff, but um, there was this one guest who was like ridiculously demanding and um, almost abusive. Right. And she said, I am going to make this person, I'm going to, my goal this week is to break through that, you know, and, uh, and she wore this, this person down. Like I actually was worried for him. Like, you're crazy. You know, like you should just back off. Like it is, it is not going to happen. Right. And she ended up like, you know, babysitting for this woman's kids back at school and getting notes from her and she shared with me. So, you know, I think at camp, unlike a restaurant, maybe it's a, it's a, it's a one-time situation. We have a whole week where, you know, it's difficult to be a jerk an entire week. If you're a guest, you know what I mean? Like even the worst guests are like, yeah, but I think, you know. I think that example you bring up though, is just a even more testament to the necessity of hospitality on right. a broader scale. Cause like, yeah, my, my one hour interaction, interaction with a table just like that, or an individual like that is totally exacerbated when you're dealing with the same people for a week. But the mindset and the philosophy is exactly the same, right? right? I'm not just representing like, yeah, my self-interest is I want to get a good tip, but I'm also repping this restaurant. And I don't want to get fired. 
And ultimately I'm repping the hospitality of Christ. And so therefore, like, I know you want to be the biggest jerk as a customer or you're just incredibly difficult. But I, I really think it was so important what you said about understanding that everyone is bringing baggage to the table, both physically and metaphorically. Right. So, and the best hospitality is able to see that, understand it and mitigate it ultimately in like love and self-sacrifice and humility. So I want to pivot this a little bit because we're we're talking about a, a really close environment with with Arcadia and the fact that Chip, you you bring in these staff and you have a two week training or three right. weeks or whatever it is, and you are paying them a salary to be just the best darn people ever. You know that that the that the families coming in are going to have the best weeks of their lives, kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're working at an Applebee's, it's like, look, you know, treat the customers with respect try to get out of there without causing too much commotion kind of thing. You right. want a good tip. You know, it's that transactional. I want a good tip. You want to have a good meal. Let's just get through this kind of thing. Right. Whereas I, I, I want to move this out then to our, into our daily lives for those of us who aren't working in the food service industry or working in the very close environment of a camp is like, how do, how do we exhibit this hospitality on a daily basis where there's not necessarily a, you're paying me money and I'm doing a service for you. You know, how do we look at this in our everyday, in our everyday lives through this Christian lens? So may, may I uh, throw a quote towards that time? I was, I was just looking this up. Uh, there's a philosopher. Uh, he's out of Switzerland. I think he's Dang it, you beat me to it. I was like, is it going to be from a 19th uh -oh, century shocker, philosopher? Shocker, shocker, a philosopher okay. from the Euro continent, a continental philosopher. I do love the continental philosophers. You really do. Rate. I do actually. That's I'm studying them. Okay, moving along. Uh, but uh, the his name is Zygmunt Bowman. Uh, I probably said his name wrong, but whatever. Uh, and he says this that I think relates to hospitality. It, it starts off about civility, but I think it's helpful. He says this: the main point about civility is the ability to interact with strangers without holding their strangeness against them, and without pressing them to surrender it or denounce some or all of the traits that have made them strangers in the first place. Right, so so this idea of, now he uses civility, but I think we could pretty easily replace that with hospitality, uh, is that as we encounter the stranger, as we encounter the other, um, that there's this, uh, the language I guess I like to use of absorbing and overlooking certain offenses. Now, obviously, you know, we're not don't sign up to be abused and don't sign up to be treated, you know, just to be a doormat. But from from a place of recognizing, I mean, and this is, I guess, psychological language from a place of recognizing your own power as a human being, uh, utilizing that to embrace the stranger uh, as they are. Uh, and, and, you know, to the language of, of the book that uh, that Chip uses making room and I've embraced it as well. Um, is that we make room in our hearts for the stranger, however they present themselves, even when they're a demanding jerk at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Gabe, I think that, um, you know, the idea that, 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 that you're sort of, um, you know, looking at that, at this, at this, at, at, at this other person, and you said sort of absorbing or choosing to ignore the strangers of it. And I, I think that, um, like, like I said earlier, I think, that this idea of the of the other is um, uh, it's 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 
it's more common than just someone who's like a homeless person. I am a rich person, whatever. It's it's just someone who might be of a different age, or uh, or or um, just they're a jock, and I'm a nerd, or whatever it is. You know, um, one of the things that 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 you know, going back to sort of Tom's Tom's thing about you know, what are things we can do in, in everyday life. One of the things that 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 we talk about in our training that you can do in your everyday life is is to look up. You know, like when you're in public spaces, like make an eye contact with people like shocks the crap out of them they're like you mm -hmm. know if you're just even or just treating your your server at a restaurant you know by using their name and getting to know them and i've been fortunate to be out to lunch with certain uh, pastors who like end up like ministering to to folks and like you know can we pray for you during the meal and stuff which is something i don't normally do but you know i've tried to be weird. like it's kind of it's kind of weird exactly but you know in, in although to their credit, I've never been with them where, they're, where the server is like, oh, no, please don't pray for me. You know, they're like, you know, listing off like five different things by the end, but uh, usually crying. But anyways, um, this this uh, this idea of just with the people that we interact with, uh, baristas and, and servers at restaurants, making eye contact and, and treating them like a human when they're just cranking through interactions day after day after day, um, I think it, it's a simple thing. It's, you know, it's not necessarily a huge tip. It's not, uh, it's not holding their hand and praying with them. It's just like using their name and, and uh, talking with them is something that I think can bring joy to people's life and is bringing as, as Josh used, which I'm going to use in my staff train, repping for Jesus Christ. Mm, mm. I like Preach. that. I like the that. Kids, the kids will be down with that, Chip. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm desperately really behind cool. time. Hey, listen, if you need some more vocabulary from the south side of Chattanooga to make its way into the Arcadia vocabulary, <laughs> you just let me know. <laughs> you know, I think in Flicker. Okay, just, that's not, that's not. <laughs> that's not go. Yes. I'm, I'm just thinking of an example, you know, we kind of keep talking. I like, I, I love what you just said, Chip, because I was just on the, I was on the phone with my brother and I'm going through the grocery line. I was like, Hey, I'm going to call you back because I just don't want to be on the phone because what that says to the person in the line is like, you are simply just a tool to get me out of here. You know, you have zero worth other than you are scanning my stuff, you know? Um, and so, but I love your quote, Gabe, about it, it's that stranger, it's the other, um, it's the person that you might not love. And I think we see example after example of this in in scripture of Christ treating treating the people, the unlovables, in the same way that he would treat those that were his best friends, you know? Mm -hmm. um, Jen and I have this example at home. She watches a number of kids in the morning, and there are two that just, it's every morning, it's the same stuff. Like I've told them literally a thousand times in a row, stop jumping on the furniture. And every morning I come down and they're doing the same thing. It's, it's doing the things that, that just drive me up a wall. And it's how do I treat them in the same way that I would treat the other kid who's not doing those things? Or how do I treat my own kids, you know, and, and giving them the love that they need. It's giving them the, the, the attention or, or, taking the interest in their lives, even though it just like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I think too, though, it's interesting. You make that point of like, you still don't have to let them jump on the furniture either. Right. Oh, like, no. that, that is the, there's like a, a, a sort of balance there in terms of like being hospitable, treating the other person as a human being, recognizing their humanity, recognizing that they bear the image of God yep. uh, and, and caring about them enough 
to not allow behavior that's damaging to them uh, or to others. No, I, absolutely. It's just, it's a matter of like, you drive me up a wall every day. So I'm not going to ask you how was your day yesterday or how was your weekend or, or things like that. Cause I just right. don't like, no, I, I need to engage in that conversation. The same that I would engage with the other kid who's not jumping on my furniture. You know, I'm still going to tell them for the thousandth time, please do not jump on my furniture. All right. Well, friends, I, I think this has been a most excellent conversation. We've been uh, super fortunate to have Chip join us this evening. Um, I'd like to leave us with a quote, a hospitality quote from... Is it Adam. from a philosopher? Uh, yeah. Named Kel. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. May I take your order, please? Mm. Wow. So I mean, deep. it is. Unpack that. Did that movie, by the way, criminally underrated? That's, um, ex I mean, Chip, what's your vote? Yay or nay? A yay. Yay. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for the affirmation. Yeah. Think, to be fair, Chip has no idea what we're talking about. No idea. Well, <laughs> he is wearing a polo and khakis and unsocked boat shoes. So, all right. Before we let Chip go, uh, I'm wearing sandals and socks just for the record. Wait, sandals and mandals? Are we talking mandals with socks? These are scandals. These are, you know, Chacos and, and socks. As oh, Lord have that. mercy. Lord have mercy. Oh, great. Hey, uh, Chip, before we let you go, where can people find out more about Arcadia and or you uh, and get connected and maybe uh, go to the greatest camp in the history of the entire world? Oh, there you go, Gabe. You can check us out on the good old interwebs. <laughs> Camp-Arcadia.com. Uh, check us out. Yeah. Arcadia Mission, located in Northwest Michigan on the greatest of the Great Lakes. Lake true. Michigan. Find a Petoskey, sure. people. Find it's a Petoskey. Easily the third best lake. What? So, what? I'm sorry. Third. First of all, Superior is the biggest. Well, um, it still has ice on it, so I'm mean, sorry, but <laughs> yeah, you know. I'm sorry. It's it's beautiful. Um, it is not sullied by Gary, Indiana, Chicago, and Milwaukee. Mm, so, um, <laughs> I, say I mean, dis dis dispute that. I mean. You can't. Those are the stepchildren of the great of Lake of Lake just Michigan. I will give you that. Spewing filth into your lake just day after day after day. Yes, but we can swim in our lake and not die. So <laughs> opportunities for redemption, Tom. That's all those are. All right, Chip. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Super glad to have you on here. Thank you. Uh, blessings on this upcoming camp season. Thank you. Thank you, brothers. Bye bye. See you this summer, Chip. Bye bye. Bye. know the timing of this conversation couldn't be better especially as this weekend i prepare at least to preach on the story of jesus's appearance post-resurrection to his disciples where not only did he uh tell peter and john and a few other fishermen to cast their nets on the right side of the boat and catch a bunch of fish but he was awaiting at the shore with them for them oh cooking them some breakfast that's right that's right a piece of some broiled fish fresh fresh some broiled fish, that's a tongue twister, say that 10 times fast, as well as some bread. And if that's not a picture of hospitality, 
then I don't know what is. And so I hope you guys enjoyed this wonderful conversation with one Chip May, Charles something or other the third. Uh, but he just goes by Chip. And if you have a chance to visit Arcadia, go do it. But in the meantime, honestly, I would ask yourself the question, how can I be hospitable? Not just in my daily life, uh, but in my relation to the neighbors around me and what that means. Mm. Mm. You know what? As a matter of fact, I'm going to put out this, this invitation. Text us your stories of hospitality to 612-208-6258. You know, I think you covered it pretty well, Josh. I, 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 uh, I have nothing to add. I know. I've dumbfounded you. You consistently. For the first, for the first time ever. No. 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 No? I, I don't find you on a regular basis. You don't find me regularly oh, yeah. for different reasons. Oh, uh, you oh. not by your brilliance, but tonight it was. I will take so, that any day of the week. With that, good listener, we bid you farewell. Thank you again to Chip for joining us tonight. We hope you all enjoy this episode, and we will be releasing another one shortly. Chipmay.com, Chippendales.com. <laughs> <laughs>